Let us turn in the Scriptures to the book of Judges, chapter 6, and we'll read some verses from the verse number 11. Judges chapter 6, reading from the verse 11. And there came an angel of the Lord and sat under an oak which was in Ophrah, that pertained unto Joash the Abizrite, and his son Gideon threshed wheat by the wine press to hide it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him and said unto him, The Lord is with thee, thou mighty man of valor. And Gideon said unto him, O my Lord, if the Lord be with us, why then is all this befallen us? And where be all the miracles which our fathers told us of, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord hath forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. And the Lord looked upon him and said, Go in this thy might, and thou shalt save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have not I sent thee? And he said unto him, O my Lord, Wherewith shall I save Israel? Behold, my family is Pern and Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. And the Lord said unto him, Surely I will be with thee, and thou shalt smite the Midianites as one man. And he said unto him, If now I have found grace in thy sight, then show me a sign that thou talkest with me. Depart not hence, I pray thee, until I come unto thee. And bring forth my present, and set it before thee. And he said, I will tarry until thou come again. Amen. We know that God will bless his reading, the reading of his word to our hearts. Let's seek the Lord for prayer. O God, our Father, we come to you in the name of our Savior. We pray that as we examine the life of Gideon and derive what lessons we can glean from it, that we will know the help of the Lord. May the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Amen. Amen. The background to the work of Gideon is one of terrible oppression and poverty and even hunger for the people of God. Year after year they came. The Midianites, they came in from the desert. Great desert nation, traveling people. They had no particular order. They did not have structured armies. They did not follow the leadership of one king. But they came looking food. And they found relatively easy picking in the land of Israel. And Israel in those days was not under the leadership of one king. They too did not have a, a structured army to oppose the enemy. And there was not a man among them to lead the people and to withstand the onslaught of the Midianites. And the Midianites were very numerous. They're described as being as numerous as, as grasshoppers. And they came and they swept through the land at harvest time. And they took all of the crops and we are told that the children of Israel, in verse 2, they had to go into the dens, which are in the mountains and caves and strongholds. They had to go into hiding, and they had to abandon their fields, and the enemy just came and took everything that they had. They had sowed their seeds, but others would come and reap the harvest. 
This didn't just happen one year. It came year after year for seven long years. For seven long years, the children were crying with hunger. For seven long years, the men were working for nothing. For seven long years, there was little wheat and corn to be made into bread and to be turned into food. The nation was in an impoverished state. But all of this occurred because the children of Israel had sinned against the Lord, verse 1 tells us. They did evil in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord delivered them into the hand of Midian. The Midianites were doing God's work for him. They were a chastening rod, and the people would feel the affliction. Whenever we lose out with God and go our own way, we'll be afflicted and we'll suffer. And who knows what instrument the Lord will use, but there will be an instrument for those whom the Lord loveth. He chastens. But as times got very dark, as the hunger was felt more acutely than ever, we are told in verse 6 that the children of Israel cried unto the Lord. There was a voice went up from the land, help us, there was a voice went up from the people crying for God to intervene. And so he did. But he didn't raise up a warrior. He raised up a preacher initially, a prophet, an unnamed prophet, but a man who was one of God's anonymous heroes in the history of the work of the gospel. Because in verse 8, we are told that the Lord sent a prophet the prophet's message was very simple. Thus saith the Lord, a faithful man who brought the word of God, I brought you up from Egypt and brought you forth out of the land, house of bondage. And I delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians and out of the hand of all that oppressed you and drave them out from before you and gave you their land. And I said unto you, I am the Lord your God. Fear not the gods of the Amorites in whose land ye dwell, but ye have not obeyed my voice. I give you this land. I give you this territory. This was the inheritance that I bequeathed you. And I told you you were to remain separate from the other gods of the heathen. But you have not obeyed my voice. And there is something unspeakably solemn about the prophet speaking at the end of verse 10, pointing the finger and saying, you have not obeyed my voice. What we're seeing here is a revival of true religion, the people getting right with God, the people hearing the Word of God, the people being challenged and convicted under the, the power of the Word. And so times were changing. God was moving. In the midst of all of this, He called a most unlikely individual to be a hero. And he's one of the great heroes of the faith in Hebrews chapter 11. And his name was Gideon. Let's look, first of all, at Gideon's acceptance. Gideon was laboring and working, doing what he could for his family in days of oppression. It was a good work that he was doing. You will notice there in verse 11 that he was threshing wheat by the wine press to hide it from the Midianites. As the Midianites swept in, here was a man who had taken of the harvest. Here was a man who had taken 
wheat, and he was actually at the stage of threshing it, of extracting the precious wheat, which could be turned into flour and baked as bread. He was providing bread for his family. He was doing it at great risk to his own life. Yet he looked at his family and he said, I must do something. Cannot let this happen. Can't let the Midianites have their own way. I must do something. It was a quiet work. It was a hidden work. It was a secret work. But it was a work that God saw. And we are told that as he was engaged in this work, the angel of the Lord came in verse 11. And who was this angel of the Lord? This was, I believe, the Lord Jesus Christ himself. In the Old Testament, the angel of the Lord appeared at certain times to God's people. Jacob, a particularly famous example. Joshua, too, had an example a visitation of the angel of the Lord. And here was Gideon working away, doing what he could. It was hard. It was tough. Quiet, secret work, getting food out for his family. And then God came. The Lord came. And the Lord had a very interesting word for him that we find difficult to understand, and no doubt Gideon did as well. The Lord is with thee, thou mighty man of valor. He doesn't appear like a mighty man of valor. He's a simple farmer. It's days of oppression, hard days. He's, he's doing the obvious thing, just doing what he can. But God saw the potential of Gideon. He saw that in the heart of this simple man, there was the nobility of a king, there was the bravery of a warrior. There was the conviction of one who would stand alone for God in days of great challenge. God saw the potential. The little that we do for Jesus, God recognizes. And you might feel that no one is there to thank you for doing what you do. You might feel that no one commends you or recognizes you. You might feel that Others pass you by, but God sees. If the work that you do is genuinely for Him, God sees that heart. And who knows how the Lord will use you in the future? Because the Scripture says that if we are faithful in that which is little, He will entrust us with greater things. But if we are not faithful in little things, will not be trusted with greater things. And Gideon was faithful in little things, but he did it at home. He did it amongst his family. He was a witness there. His family knew the difference. Because here is a man who cared. May God give us that spirit, even the spirit at home, to serve him. They are best for the Savior. Others may not see it or recognize it, but God will be there. But Gideon was very insecure. If you look at verse 13, Gideon said, why has this happened to us? Did the Lord not bring us up from Egypt and now we're delivered into the Midianites? God has turned away from us. Why? 
And not only was he insecure in asking the question, but even after God said to him in verse 16, Surely will I be with thee, and thou shalt smite the Midianites as one man. Gideon then said in verse 17, Show me a sign that thou talkest with me. Gideon was somewhat obsessed with signs. He was never content just to get a word from God. He wanted God to do something else to reassure him. God was with him. He was an insecure man. And we too have our insecurities. And we too struggle sometimes when God gives us a definite word, this is what you must do. We can struggle to just take it at face value. And we too sometimes can be inclined to ask God for a sign, for a token. We don't need it. We have the word. We don't need anything else. But God graciously gave him a sign. And it was the meal that Gideon presented the angel of the Lord with it turned into a fire. And you read about that later on in chapter 6. And as a consequence of that, Gideon cemented his acceptance of God's commission. For God commissioned him to be an officer in his army, to be a general in his army. A most unlikely individual he was, but he got the commission. He accepted the commission. We're told in verse 24, he built an altar. He called it Jehovah Shalom. That means the Lord give us peace. God is a God of peace. These were days of warfare, days of struggle, days of anxiety, yet there was going to be peace. He built the altar. But that altar could not coexist alongside an altar to... Baal, the false god. There was an altar to Baal in his father's household. And Gideon did a most audacious thing. We're told in verse 27, he got 10 men to support him. And he took the altar down. And the locals who were Jews were so enraged, this revival had not reached them. The word of this prophet in, from verses 7 through to 10 had not reached them. And they were so incensed they were going to have Gideon put to death. But Gideon's father stood in the gap. And Gideon's father said in verse 31, look at what it says. Will ye plead for Baal? Will ye save him? He that will plead for him, let him be put to death while it is Yet morning, if he be a god, let him plead for himself, because one hath cast down his altar. Therefore on that day he called him Jerubel. Let Baal plead against him, because he hath thrown down his altar. And Gideon's father threw down a challenge, and he said, Look, my son has knocked down the altar of Baal. If Baal is real and if Baal is God, let Baal deal with him. Let us not act for Baal. Let Baal act. And so Gideon had this other name, Jerubel. Let Baal plead against him. It's an Elijah-like challenge. Elijah went to Mount Carmel, and he took on the prophets of Baal and the prophets of the groves, and he said, if your God is real, let him consume the sacrifice. And of course, their gods could do nothing. And so it was. 
And Gideon was living proof to the fact that Baal was there. And all of this arose from this one brave act of demolishing the altar. You know, the altars of sin, the altars of pride, they need to be demolished. The things that we are holding on to, which God is displeased with, we need to analyze our lives. We need to take them down one by one, stone by stone. For the altar of God and our religion cannot coexist with that which is sinful. And Gideon learned this lesson, that home must not just be a place where the family is fed, but home must be a place where God is honored. And so he was equipped for this great work. Let's also think about his, his affirmation. So God called him to lead a great army against the Amalekites and against the Midianites. Well, that's what Gideon thought. He thought he was going to be the leader of a great army. But Gideon, again, was full of his own insecurities, his own unbelief, even after all God had done and God had helped him to do. You will see in verse 34, he does an amazingly brave thing. The Spirit of the Lord comes upon him. He blows a trumpet. He gathers, he sends messengers throughout Manasseh who are gathered onto him. He sends messengers to Asher, to Zebulun, to Naphtali. They come up to meet him. So here he is. He's blowing a trumpet. He's sending out the word, come to my side. We're going to take on the enemy, even though they are like the grasshoppers in number. But as these people come, Gideon looks at them and he said, what can we do? Who am I? Full of insecurity. And so he puts out the fleece. We often talk about Gideon's fleece. Gideon's fleece was actually an act of unbelief. He was so full of his own insecurity, he just needed a sign. And he got the sign. He didn't get it once, he got it twice. See how good the Lord is, graciously helping us in the midst of our infirmities. The fleece is very interesting because if you look at verse 37, Gideon said, I will put a fleece of wool in the floor, and if the dew be on the fleece only, and if it be dry upon all the earth beside, then shall I know that thou wilt save Israel by mine hand as thou hast said. And it was so, the fleece was wet and the ground was dry. But of course, that wasn't such a huge miracle, because if there was going to be some dew overnight, and if the sun had taken up the moisture from the earth, well, the fleece would take longer to dry. And so Gideon looked at that, and he thought, oh, well, actually, that could have happened anyway. So, Lord, do something else. Do a greater miracle. Let the fleece be dry and the ground be wet. Now, that was a miracle, and that is exactly what happened. Some people say, if we are to discover God's will, we should put out a fleece. We should make a demand of God what He should do. We can put out fleeces. I believe in certain circumstances we can. But they are very often a consequence of our own unbelief. To just step out in faith and trust God at His Word. But God will help us in the midst of our insecurities. But there's one thing you have to remember when you put out the fleeces between you and God. 
If you put out a fleece and ask the Lord to do something to confirm His will, you cannot tell anyone. You cannot tell one person. If you tell one person, it's gone. Because you're interfering with the will of God. Or if you try and manipulate that yourself to bring it about, you can't manipulate the will of God. It has to be something that only God can do between you and God alone. And that's the secret to laying out a fleece. Never forget that. Let's also look at his assembling. And so he starts to assemble this army. But God has his own ideas. God always has his own ideas. God's ways are not our ways, and we're never to think that they are. And initially, the response was tremendous. But the response wasn't the response that God was looking for. He had a great assembly that gathered with him. But you look at verse 3 of chapter 7. Now, therefore, go to proclaim in the ears of the people, saying, Whosoever is fearful and afraid, let him return and depart early from Mount Gilead. And there returned of the people twenty and two thousand, and there remained ten thousand. So suddenly his army was decimated from thirty-two to ten. Twenty-two were too afraid for the battle. God wasn't going to use them. You see, we often say a volunteer is worth a thousand conscripts. But even a volunteer who doesn't have his heart in the work will never do anything. Our hearts must be in the work of God. If our heart is not in the work, if our hearts are somewhere else, the Lord won't use us. The Lord was only going to use those that were His chosen instruments for this great work. But again, 10,000 was too many. And so God gave Gideon instructions as to how the chosen soldiers would be picked and selected. And those that lapped the water, putting their hand to their mouth, were 300. And I'm sure Gideon looked at that and he saw the thousands leaving, the thousands melting away, the thousands going home. Here were 300. 300 chosen men. And here were the Midianites spread out as the, the grasshoppers. And here were 300. And it was not these 300 people who would save Israel. It would be God himself. For God selected 300 that the world might know it wasn't Gideon. It was God that would send the deliverance. And so we have Gideon's approach. Faith sees the invisible and does the impossible. And Gideon had learned through all of his insecurities that God was with him. And that God would use even these 300 to accomplish a, an amazing deliverance. And they had no weapons, and they had no spears, and they had no arrows. All they had was earthen pitchers. All they had was lamps. All they had was trumpets. And all they had was a voice. That's all they had. But God would use what they had to accomplish a mighty deliverance. And God gave Gideon the tactic. And Gideon followed them through. 
When we do God's work, we must do God's work in God's way. We cannot do God's work our way. We must always do it God's way. We must always follow his pattern, follow his word, follow his example, follow his truth. Stick to the truth and will not go wrong. Gideon stayed with the truth. And as the 300 were divided into three companies of 100, and as they surrounded the camp in the dead of night, when all was quiet and calm, and as they broke the pictures and let the light shine, and as they cried out, the sword of the Lord and of Gideon, as a trumpet sounded, the Midianites turned their swords on each other in terror, and they fled. And a great victory was accomplished for Israel. But of course, there is a type in all of that. Many years ago, a preacher came to the Easter Convention, a man called Dr. Rod Bell. And he had been through a very difficult time through health. And he was at death's door, and the Lord raised him up. And he preached on breaking the pitcher and letting your light shine. Anyone who heard that sermon will never forget. Because he said, the pitcher is us. We are just earthen vessels. And the light is God's truth. And sometimes God has to break the earthen vessel that the light might shine. All we are is earthen vessels. But these earthen vessels must be molded and shaped according to God's pattern that we might do His will, that we might accomplish His truth. What does the church have today? We do not have armies, and we do not have presidents or prime ministers. What is the church of Christ against the secular powers of wickedness in this world? Apostle Paul said, we've got this treasure in earthen vessels. We have the truth of God. We have the life of God in our hearts and our souls. And we have the trumpet that we can sound the word of God. And we've got a voice whereby we can declare God's truth. And this is what God will use to change society, to change the world. And we have to believe that. But ultimately, Israel was led by a man who had the Spirit of God upon him, and everything was changed. Sometimes in the midst of all of our pride and stubbornness, God will choose to take us to a low place. He'll break us. The light might shine. For God's ways are not our ways. There is a postscript to Gideon's life. It's a tragic postscript. After this battle, he made an ephod that was a snare to the children of Israel. He sadly had many wives. He had many sons. And one of these sons was a man called Abimelech, who became the imposter king and brought such disaster on Israel. It was all because of his father's poor example. Someone once said that Gideon started out as a coward, he became a conqueror, and then he ended his days as a compromiser. Oh, be warned. Whatever God has enabled us to do, that is no antidote against failure at the last. May God keep us faithful and keep us right. And may we learn the example of Gideon. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for your word and for your truth. We thank you you use the simple things of this life. 
Use the ordinary people to do extraordinary things. And help us all to believe that we can make history for God with the little that God has given us. We pray that you would bless your word to every heart today, for Christ's sake. Amen. Let us